Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. And today's message, we're going to discover how it is that Satan's demons, how they operate in the world in general, and most importantly, how they operate in your world in particular. Today, we're going to discover what the demons want to do to you. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, Satan has developed an intricate plot to destroy Christians and overthrow God's kingdom. And he's enlisted a massive army of demons to help carry out this plan. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains how demons operate and also answers the question of whether or not Christians can be demon-possessed. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. In our culture, you'll see the underworld characterized in playful ways. Demons are typecast as naughty red devils with tails and pitchforks. Movies depict the spirit world as an other dimension to be tapped. Specialists even call on spirits to get in touch with the deceased. But the spirit world is not a playground. And in our current series, The Divine Defense, we're exposing the very real, very destructive power of Satan and discovering how to experience victory over the spiritual forces of wickedness. Let me make this absolutely clear. Christians don't have to be victims, nor do we have to live in a defeated state. We have been equipped with weaponry for our greatest battles in life. And I've written a best-selling book on this topic of spiritual warfare to help you. It's called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll be happy to send you a copy today. Learning to fight and win your toughest spiritual battles could prove to be the most impactful study you'll engage in this year. I'll say more about my book and other resources later on. But right now, it's time to get started with today's message. As you'll see in just a moment, today's message was originally preached on October 31st, Halloween Day. I chose to highlight this occasion by presenting a message titled, What Demons Want to Do to You. Well, with all the excitement this weekend, maybe you forgot, tonight is Halloween. And uh, all over our country, uh, children are going to be dressing up. Many of them will be dressing up as their favorite Disney characters. There'll be some adults who will be donning some masks and dressing up as their least favorite Washington politicians. (laughs) You can only guess who might be at the top of the list. We'll let you figure that out. But you know, among the costumes tonight, there'll be some people who will put on a red suit, They'll have horns, they'll have a tail, they'll carry the pitchfork. Others will dress up as Satan's assistants, demons. They'll ring the doorbell, people will open the door, and they will laugh. They will laugh just as Satan and his demons are laughing. You see, far from being insulted by such caricatures, Satan and his demons love those kind of comic uh, characterizations of themselves. You see, Satan and his demons know that as long as you're laughing at them, you can't fear them. And if you don't fear them, then you won't be prepared for their attacks against you. 
But as one writer said, demons are neither funny nor phony. They're real formidable forces. They are Satan's assistants to carry out his plan to destroy you. In this series on spiritual warfare, we've seen that Satan wants to, first of all, blind unbelievers to the gospel so that they cannot receive Christ and spend eternity in heaven. But Satan also has a plan for your life if you're a Christian. If he can't rob your soul for all eternity, he wants to destroy every good thing in your life. And he has a strategy for doing that. He'll either discourage you from worshiping God, he'll try to distract you from serving God, or he will uh, come into your life and will deceive you into disobeying God. Now, last week we saw Satan isn't omnipresent. He can't be more than one place at a time, but he doesn't have to. He has these assistants, these fallen angels who joined him in the rebellion. We call them demons who work to help Satan carry out that threefold plan against you. And today's message, we're going to discover how it is that Satan's demons, how they operate in the world in general, and most importantly, how they operate in your world in particular. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Today, we're going to discover what the demons want to do to you. Now, there are five ways that demons exercise their authority in the world and in your life. And I want you to jot them down on your outline. First of all, demons operate through nature. Now, remember in Ephesians 2 verse 2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. That is, God has given Satan limited authority over the natural elements in this world. Satan and his demons have authority over wind and rain and hurricanes and tornadoes. They have limited authority over natural phenomena. Uh, The Bible says that Satan can use forces of nature in order to bring discouragement into our lives. Remember the story of Job? Uh, The Bible says Satan or one of Satan's wind demons brought that great storm that destroyed the house where uh, Job's children were. And the result was all 10 children were killed. And uh, Satan and his demons were trying to tempt Job into cursing God. Secondly, demons sometimes manifest themselves through physical illness, through physical illness. Now, to blame every sickness on demons is neither biblical nor logical. Now, the fact is, there are other explanations for why we get sick. One reason is because we've inherited defective bodies. Uh, remember Romans 5.12, through Adam, through one man, sin entered the world, and death spread through all men because all men sinned. Uh, we all inherited that sin virus, and because of that, our bodies get sick and eventually die. Sometimes uh, the reason we get sick is because of poor choices we make. Uh, too many trips to McDonald's. Not enough trips to the gymnasium. Uh, Standing outside like an idiot, breathing in all that debris yesterday uh, like I did and so forth. I mean, they're natural explanations. Uh, Addictions uh, to alcohol or nicotine or other things, all of those things are some of the explanations for physical illness. Not every illness is demonically inspired, but some illnesses are. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7? He was talking about his thorn in the flesh, which probably was some kind of physical infirmity. Whom did Paul blame for that thorn in the flesh? He said it was sent by a messenger of Satan, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. It was a messenger of Satan that brought this illness into my life. 
Who's the messenger of Satan? It's a demon that brought that into his life. But then he went on to say, but God is using this for a good purpose so that I don't become proud and so that the power of God might be manifest in my life. Yes, it was a demonically inspired illness. A demon brought it, but ultimately it was under God's control. There's a third way that demons manifest themselves in some people's lives, and that is through mental disorders. Mental disorders. Now, again, it's a mistake to say all mental illness is a result of demonic activity. I remember talking to a Christian psychiatrist one time, and I asked the question, how do you account for what the Bible calls demonic activity and modern mental illness diagnoses like schizophrenia and psychosis? Do you believe demons are responsible for these kind of mental disorders? And the psychiatrist asked me a very good question in return. He said, if all mental illnesses were the result of demonic activity, then why is it that all the symptoms of these mental disorders almost disappear completely with the right medical treatment? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? I mean, the fact is, our thoughts, our emotions are a series of chemical and electrical impulses in the brain. But it is also true that our thoughts and our emotions are more than just a series of chemical and electrical impulses. The fact is there are external spiritual sources that can have an impact on our thoughts and our emotions. Let me show you where you find that in the Bible. Look over at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Paul is talking about how to protect yourself against anxiety. Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the point. Paul is saying that there is a positive spiritual exercise we can engage in that can relieve anxiety, and it's called prayer. Now, stay with me on this. If there is a positive spiritual force that can affect our thinking and our emotions... Doesn't it stand to reason that there are also negative spiritual forces in the world that can negatively impact our thoughts and emotions? I'm not suggesting that all or even most mental illness is a demonic influence, but some of it is. A good illustration of this is found in Luke chapter 8. Turn over there for a moment. We looked last week at the story of the man who was controlled by many demons. And remember, Legion was the chief demon, and Jesus cast out the demons, and they uh, went into the swine. Now, notice what happened to this man after the demons left him. This man had all the symptoms. He wouldn't wear clothes. He withdrew from society. He had strange voices emanating from his mouth, all symptoms that would have landed him in a psychiatric ward in today's world. But Jesus removed the demons from him and notice his immediate healing. Verses 35 and 36, the people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. Well, you notice that this man's healing did not require years of psychotherapy and drug treatment. Instead, his healing was immediate. And it was 
permanent. Now, please hear what I'm saying today. I believe that if you or a loved one is suffering from some type of mental disorder, prolonged depression, schizophrenia, psychosis, those symptoms, you ought to go visit a Christian psychiatrist. You ought to sit down with a man or woman of God who is trained in these areas. It very well may be there is a chemical, there is a, uh, a medical uh, reason for the behavior and the feelings you have. But what I'm also saying is don't negate the possibility that there is a spiritual force at work as well. God made us body, soul, and spirit. And we have to treat all of the parts of a man or woman in order to be made whole. God may very well use that Christian psychiatrist. He may use that medicine that he allowed to be created to bring healing to you. Just don't separate that from reliance on the power of God directly. Another way that demons sometimes manifest themselves is through a particular kind of mental illness, and that is through suicide. Uh, One manifestation of demons that is almost always attributable directly to demons themselves is suicide. In Mark chapter 9, there is a story about a young boy who was controlled by an evil spirit. And Mark 9.22 says that the evil spirit would throw the boy into the fire and into the water to destroy him. You see, it is our natural inborn tendency to want to protect our bodies. We're all born with that sense of self-preservation. For anyone to want to destroy his body, that is not natural. That is supra or supernatural. It goes beyond natural explanation. It is almost always a demonic force that causes us to want to destroy our lives. Remember in John 8, how Jesus characterized Satan? He said he is both a liar and a murderer. He didn't combine those two words accidentally. Satan is a liar and a murderer. He knows when you get discouraged that you're vulnerable to his lies. And when you are discouraged, don't be surprised if one of Satan's demons don't begin to whisper into your ear the lie that your situation is hopeless. There's no way out of this. Or nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. Or you become a burden to your loved ones. Uh, It would be better just to go ahead and end your life. Those thoughts do not come from God. They come from the evil one. Satan is a liar and he is a murderer. Could I speak to you as one who has witnessed more times than I care to remember as a pastor the effects of suicide. The effects of suicide on the victim, well, those effects are obvious. But the consequences for those who are left behind are unbearable and they're unending. I think about times I have sat with a husband or wife who had come home to discover their mate blown apart by the blast of a shotgun. I've sat down with parents before who, to their horror, discovered their own teenager hanging from a rope in the closet. I'm convinced there's nothing more selfish a person can do than to take his or her own life. Unless your goal 
is to hurt, to inflict as much pain as possible on those who love you the most. Don't listen to the lies of the one who hates you the most. A fifth way that Satan sometimes manifests himself is through other people. Demons actually can influence us through other Christians. Uh, We see a great illustration of that in Revelation chapter 18. In the great tribulation, demons will actually work through human beings to kill God's people, to launch a tremendous slaughter against God's people. In Revelation 18 verses 2 and 24, the killing of God's people is attributed to demonic activity. We don't have to wait until the tribulation to see that. One of my most vivid memories is one you have shared in as well, many of you, and that is in Jerusalem, walking through the Holocaust Museum. Those of you who have been in that museum will never forget it. Those pictures, images. But many times, demons don't have to go to such extremes to use other people. Sometimes their use of other people is much more subtle. For example, one thing demons want to do is to deceive you into disobeying God. Sometimes that deception they use comes wearing a suit or a skirt. For example, maybe you're going through a particularly rocky time in your marriage. That intimacy you once shared with your mate isn't there. And one day you run into an old flame of yours. And uh, there is conversation that is followed by an overt invitation to immorality. Now, how is it that that person just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time? That is demonic. That is a demon using other people to accomplish their will. Which raises an interesting question. And that is, Pastor, are you saying even Christians can be demon-possessed or owned? Absolutely not. But there's a difference between being demon-possessed and demonically influenced. Can a Christian be influenced, controlled by demons? The answer is absolutely. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. That word fill means to control. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit of God is. It is the filling, the control of the Holy Spirit of God. The moment you become a Christian, listen to this, you receive all of the Holy Spirit. You receive every part of him. There's no more the Holy Spirit for you to receive as a Christian. You have all of the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And here's the key point about demonic influence. Any part of your life that is not being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God is open to being controlled by demons. You see, we're not a spiritual vacuum. We think, well, I'll just hold off on committing part of my life to God, I'll retain this control over my dating life, over my finances, over my career. I'll hold on to this part and I'll give God the rest. No, it doesn't work that way. Any part of your life that is not under the authority, control of the Holy Spirit of God is open to demonic influence. Let me illustrate that for you if I could. Let's say this glass represents your life, okay? And the water here represents the Holy Spirit. Now, you've already been baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. But the question is, are you being controlled of the Holy Spirit of God? And let's say after you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, you commit your family life, your work life, your family, your finances, your leisure time. The Holy Spirit begins to take control of every part of your life. 
until he's full and running over. Now, let me ask you, is it possible for me to get any more liquid into this glass? No, it's full. It is filled with the Holy Spirit. It is filled. There's no room for anything else in this glass. But let's say, this is Walter. Now, Walter's a Christian. He's been baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. And when he became a Christian, he gave over his relationship with Martha. And he held on, uh, or he gave over to God his career, and he gave to God some other things. But there are a few things Walter's holding on to himself. Maybe his uh, finances. Maybe some other area of his life. There's some part of his life that is not being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. This part that's not being filled by the Holy Spirit of God is empty, but it won't remain empty for long. Is there room for more in this glass? You better believe there is. This dark Diet Coke (laughs) represents the demonic influence that can come into a person's life until it is full and running over. A mixture of the Holy Spirit and demonic activity. My point is simply this. Any part of your life that is not under God's control will become under Satan's control. And that's why it's important that we submit every part of our life to God's control. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Absolutely not. Can you as a Christian be demonically controlled or influenced? Absolutely. How can you protect yourself against Satan or demonic influence in your life? And what do you do if you discover that part of your life is under his influence, under his control? Well, next time, we're finally going to turn to Ephesians 6. And we're going to begin looking at six simple strategies you can use to defeat Satan's plan to destroy your life. This series called The Divine Defense does far more than expose the deceitful ploys of our enemy. And in the coming days, we're going to discover six simple strategies to defeat Satan's plan to destroy you. After I presented this relevant series to our church family, I was compelled to write a book on the same topic for you. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request your copy of my book, The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. Nothing will ensure your peace, satisfaction, and protection any more than putting on the full armor of God. So, be sure to request your copy of The Divine Defense today. In addition, we'll also send you the brochure called Equipped for Battle. This is a handy reference tool that contains seven strategies from Ephesians 6, providing biblical instruction on how to defend your life against spiritual attack. You can display this brochure on your desk or tuck it in the back of your Bible as a reminder of your power with God's help to win whatever battle is confronting you today. As we close out another program, let me thank you in advance for your generous financial investment in Pathway to Victory. 
Because of people like you who stand with us, we are pushing back the forces of evil and shining the bright light of God's truth into the dark corners of our world. Thank you so much for your continued generosity. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, The Divine Defense. As an added bonus, we'll also send you the Equipped for Battle brochure. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or just go online to ptv.org. And when you invest in this ministry with a gift of $75 or more, you'll also receive the Divine Defense teaching set on CD and DVD. To make your request, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, jot down this mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Find out how Satan uses our own minds to wage war against our souls. It's a message called Winning the Mind Games. That's Thursday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel where Bible prophecy comes to life. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives where Jesus is returning one day and the Plain of Megiddo where the final world battle will take place. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. And sign up before September 30th to receive an early bird discount. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.